1: So, based off his commentary in the newsroom, you might think John Rocker is one of Curtis Lewa's favorite players. Well, the Milwaukee Brewers took the John Rocker Express last night before beating my beloved New York Mets. I'll let Curtis explain.
0: Yes, well, you see, you didn't have that exclusive uh, flipping. As you were still crying into your cry towel. And normally, no, our news director did not have that exclusive. And Justin Ellick, who does sports in the morning for Sid, did not have that as part of his sports breakdown. Shame, shame, Justin. Nor did they have it on the fan or ESPN or any report anywhere in the tri-state area. I want you to listen. This morning at approximately 8.05, Justin Ellick came on to give an updated sports report on Sid and Friends. And I got permission from the padron of the show, Sid Rosenberg, to immediately cut in to what Justin Ellick was talking about, the loss of the Mets last night to the Brewers 3-2 at City Field.
2: The Mets keep on losing, this time 3-2 to the Brewers in yesterday's finale out in Milwaukee. They get hold set- on, hold
0: on, Justin Ellick. You leave out the main story of that. The Brewers were stuck at a Midtown hotel that didn't have illegal aliens, oh. was stuck in Biden <laughs> gridlock. Uh, they were on their coach bus heading to City Field. They abandoned the coach bus and took the John Rocker Express, the number seven train at City Field, in which the manager said, do not make John Rocker comments. He was the best relief pitcher, and he plummeted. How could you miss that? Huh. That's the main story, Justin. You're just doing a rip and read. Yeah, pretty much. Oh, my God. I'm trying to take after you. This Curtis. is what John Rocker said. Imagine having to take a number seven train right. looking like you're in Beirut next to some kid with purple hair, yeah. next to some queer with AIDS, okay. right next to some dude who got out of jail got for it. the fourth time, okay. right next to some 20-year-old mom you with kids. you got to I'm trying to write this it's all down. It's depressive. <laughs> oh, my God. Well done, Curtis. Thank Woo. you very much. June of 2000. You weren't even birthed yet, Justin, but I cannot just condemn you. I have condemned James Flippin. I have condemned No Maiden. And I have condemned everybody at the fan, ESPN, WINS, WCBS. I don't care whether they speak Spanish or English. None of them had this story. You know how I got this story? Again, that's why you got to listen to me. You got to listen to me Monday through Friday, 7.05 Would sit five mornings a week because I break news. I do the heavy dig. I've got rats all over the tri-state area, two-legged rats who are more than happy to give me information. And this thing come from the ball players. This thing come from any guardian angels. You know, Justin, where this came from? The locker room at City Field. Two of the guys who worked there who asked them, "Hey, didn't I just see you guys getting off the number seven train at Willis Point, walking over here through the parking lot?" And they told them the story. So. You see, it pays to have folks everywhere who are more than happy to drop dime and write out individuals so that you can have the complete story. And even with all of that, with the managers saying, don't do a John Rocker. Remember, John Rocker was the number one ace coming out of the bullpen at that time. Forget Mariano, forget Wagner, forget any of it. He was number one, and after that, he self-destructed. So, ladies and gentlemen, in the future, when you're listening to the Sports Report on the Sid Rosenberg Show, just know, Justin Ellick, I'm looking over your shoulder. I've been given the green light to intervene on your Sports Report at any point. If there's more information to give to flesh out the story, because I know where everyone's bones have buried it and who buried them.
1: Curtis Lewa Curtis Lewa Rip and read. Check this out This is the Rip and read Featuring Curtis Lewa Walking about to the bernard mcgurk studios of 77 wabc and curtis lewa this I have is the rip and read you better work
0: snaps up, Justin. This is the Transgender's Anthem, RuPaul. Drag Race. And it couldn't be more appropriate to play for the guy who was half in the bag, always smashed the governor of the state of New Jersey, Murphy. Thank God this term limits. And we can get Citarelli in there because Murphy has made his number one issue. Uh, Screw you, the parents. And if your kids are wondering about their gender identification, uh, sexual preferences, mind your freaking business. It's up to counselors, it's up to the school. And in fact, there is a form of technology going on in New Jersey. It's even different than what goes on in New York, where it's A-OK, New York State, New York City. We can't give your child a St. Joseph's baby aspirin in public school without your permission. But if we want to whack off anatomical parts, never to be replaced again, we don't have to get your stinking permission. It's our kid. We own them. They are awards of the state, but it's even worse in New Jersey. Recently on the 5 o'clock roundtable discussion at John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby, they had on a great guest Nikki Stouff, who represents all parents with kids in public school, as she goes after Governor Murphy for having two ways of categorizing students so that the parents will never know.
3: Murphy has made this mandate that kids, that schools, must speak the child's preferred name and pronouns in the school but are not allowed to tell the parents. It's also in the database, too, in their Genesis database. And schools have gone as far as, high put on the back end a different name for the parent to see their, their actual given name, and then the school name is in the database.
0: Knuckleheads, knuckleheads. That's all he ever says. Anybody criticizes, half in the bag, always smashed. Governor Murphy calls him knuckleheads. Imagine... For the Department of Education, they are keeping two sets of books. This is like Al Capone's Capone's, uh, (laughs) Greasy Thumb Goosek, who kept two sets of books for him. And then Nikki Stouffer goes on to explain how this operates within the school systems of New Jersey, controlled by Murphy.
3: Teachers are heartbroken over this, and they can't—they can't function because they don't want to lie to the parents, and they're at such liability because they get in trouble if they screw up either way. So you're calling this kid one name at school, and then they—they have to call them another name when they speak to their parents.
0: Knuckleheads, knuckleheads. Ah, right. I think we haven't heard from the NJEA, right? New Jersey Educational Alliance, in charge of the union. Of all these teachers, what are you telling them, to the dummy up, not saying anything? Nikki Stouffer was speaking truth on behalf of all the parents and all the children of the public school systems of New Jersey.
3: They're furious. They're absolutely furious because, actually, um, we've been getting people on the school board since last year, the New Jersey Project. I mean, we were just a collection of parents who banded together to make the schools better for our children. So we want to have home rule. New Jersey has home rule. So we are supposed to be able to have control over our school boards. That, that is what it means to have home rule. And we elected people into office. We, we, we had over 100 people get into office in over 81 school boards or 85 school boards all over New Jersey. So these parents are in there to make decisions for the rest of the parents. This is what democracy and a republic is supposed to be. Knuckleheads,
0: knuckleheads. Thank you. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, uh, very important because that is at the heart of the control of the public school system. You pay massive property taxes in New Jersey to go to your school system. You pay massive property taxes in Nassau and Suffolk County to go to your school system. And with all the illegal aliens now flooding into Nassau and Suffolk County, you'll be paying even more because they are going to enroll in the public schools. And that's why you have elections for school boards. We don't have them in New York City anymore. They discontinued them. But we don't have that kind of property tax dilemma. Our Property tax is minimal compared to yours. But the key to that property tax is you pay so much money for your schools, an inordinate, incredible amount, and for a bureaucratic system of your local uh, school board that has feather bedding, that has no-show jobs, that have outrageous salaries, that you should be able to vote. And it's very important that that's part of the continuing democracy, that people be able to vote for their school boards. And that's what Murphy and that's what Hochul want to discontinue. They don't want you going out there. They don't want you campaigning for your school board. They don't want you controlling your school board. They basically want to say your child, if you send them to a public school, is a ward of the state. M-Y-O-B, mind your own business. I applaud Nikki Stoffer on the 5 o'clock roundtable discussion with John Katz and Matitas and with Rita Cosby. She continued to go after Murphy for using kids for political gain.
3: He seems to think that parents are monsters and they would beat their child if their daughter came home and said, well, I'm not sure if I'm a boy or not.
0: Knuckleheads, knuckleheads. That is true. These politicians, they don't trust people. They do not trust people. They think you're all stupid, you're Neanderthals, you're Comangans, you're knuckle draggers, you're primitive, that you abuse your children. They basically say, hey, look, we're in charge, right? We're entitled. We won the election. And that's why at the start of this program, I say Curtis Lewis is a politician, which I am. When I shook my first hand on the campaign trail to become mayor, kissed my first baby, I may be a politician. Uh, Everybody else, oh, I'm not a politician. Yes, you are. You shake a hand. You kiss your first baby. You're a politician, like all other politicians, not to be trusted, Democrats or Republicans. And just as President Ronald Reagan said, trust but verify, I have reversed that. And remember, I am the guy who was starting Ronald Reagan Republican clubs in neighborhoods to fight the growing wave of socialism that's trying to destroy our fabric of life, our democracy, our capitalism. my attitude is verify first, then trust but the politicians, both Republicans and Democrats, believe you're not to be trusted you're stupid that you need you need a sheep herder because you're all sheep. <laughs> Not so, Nikki Stouffer says. Who of that.
3: There are kids who um, in New Jersey have been socially transitioning in school and they can go right to Planned Parenthood and start getting those puberty blockers.
0: Knuckleheads, knuckleheads. That is correct. She is absolutely correct. Without the knowledge of the parents or even guardians, if there are no parents, like grandparents in some instances, especially in the urban school districts, like a Patterson that I've worked in, like Newark. Sometimes it's the guardians, it's the grandparents. Murphy has made it so that even though you pay all the bills, you take care of your kid, you're responsible for your kid, the moment your kid walks into school, those children are his. Awards of the state. And if a counselor gets hold of a kid who is a little confused, as young adults tend to be, so many are confused, They will steer them, they will guide them in the direction of taking hormone blockers and then the ultimate last solution, which is the removal of the anatomical parts that define them as either being a man or a woman, and there's no reverse of that. It's over. So if your breasts are removed, imagine a 12 or 13-year-old child, a girl getting a mastectomy, removal of the breasts, it's over. Can't reverse that. Imagine a young man having his three-piece set. And I'm not talking about a knife, a spoon, and a fork removed for all time. It's over. You can't put anything back. And yet Murphy insists that counselors have more rights than parents. That the ultimate definer of what happens to your kids it's not the parents or the guardians who raise them and pays the bills and has to be with them through thick and thin. It's um, Father Murphy, like they used to say in the old Soviet Union. Oh, Father Stalin, Father Joe Stalin, right? 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 And then listen. Both John and Rita Cosby had said that they were going to reach out to Governor Murphy, and it just drove Nikki Stouffer representing all parents All caring parents in New Jersey's public school system from Camden uh, County to Hudson County, right over the edge.
3: You tell him that he's a coward and he is attacking (laughs) parents in New Jersey, and we absolutely hate his guts. And in November, we're going to get all of the legislator who supports him out of office because he has actively waged a war on the parents of New Jersey.
0: Knuckleheads, knuckleheads. That's all he ever says. Well, he's half in the bag. He's always sloshed he spends half his time at his uh, Palazzo in Italy, $38 million that he made in shaking down money when he was over at Gold Mine Sachs. You know what they do at Gold Mine Sachs. You come in, you buy a stock portfolio, they shake your hand. On the way out, they say to everybody there, let's short this sucker because we're getting our money money no matter what. That's the Gold Mine Sachs way. And his way is he's in charge. He controls your children. Pay your freaking property taxes. Remember when he said that? You don't want to pay your taxes. Leave. All he wants you to do in New Jersey, and why or oh, why did you reelect him against citarelli is beyond me. He wants you to shut up, pay your taxes. We'll determine what's in the best interests of your children. M-Y-O-B. Let me tell you something, Murphy. You're half in the bag. You probably already knocked back uh, half a bottle of, uh, of vodka over our collective dead bodies. Knuckleheads, knuckleheads.
1: Check this out. It's the Riff and Read featuring Curtis Lewa, Talk Radio 77 WABC. The Rip and Read featuring Curtis Lewa. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC and Curtis Lewa.
0: Remember this song, Chuck D, Flavor Flavor, that stupid clock around his neck. Public Enemy, you remember this song, Fight the Power, part of the music for Spike Lee's Do the Right Thing, Black-centric, and that's exactly where Eric Adams was at that time, 1989. And I told you... During the campaign, uh, as did Dove Hiking, that he was a supporter of Screwy Louie Farrakhan at the time and the Nation of Islam. There's no doubt about that. But he was like the figure and do the right thing with Danny Aiello, who owned the pizzeria in Bed-Stuy, do or die. On one side of Fulton were Italians, on the other side were Blacks. And if you remember the character bugging out, it was black-centric. It had to be black or it was whacked. This famous scene from Do the Right Thing.
1: Hey, hey, Sal, how come I got the brothers on a wall here? You want brothers on a wall? Get your own place. You can do what you want to do. You can put your brothers and uncles and nieces and nephews, your stepfather, stepmother, whoever you want. You see? But this is my pizzeria. American Italians on the wall only. We want some brothers up on the wall, you know, Malcolm X, Nelson Mandela, you know, Michael Jordan, tomorrow. Come on, on. get him out, all right? I'm trying to get him out.
0: And that was Eric Adams at that time. Just like the character bugging out. If it wasn't black, it was whacked. I mean, just look at the story the other day where the mayor, Eric Adams, was trying to stop the coal wood fired ovens from making pizza. And a modern-day Danny Aiello emerged. Scott Lebedo, the performance artist outside of City Hall.
4: Give us pizza or give us death. Give us pizza or give us death. Give us
0: That was great. And now there is a pizza parlor alliance that has come together, of uh, Montenegrins and Albanians who own most of the pizza parlors now, not the Italians. You may think they're Italian. It's mostly Albanians and Montenegrins and uh, Italians. And they saying, no, 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 they're fighting back, and rightfully so. But who has emerged to say, no, 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 turn off those coal and wood-fired uh, uh, ovens that make pizza? Well, Donovan Richards, a brother in solidarity to Eric Adams, both of them hate whites. And he said, Don't give up, Eric. Shut him down. Now, you may say, Well, who's Donovan Richards? Well, he's the black uh, Democrat borough president. When he barely beat Elizabeth Crowley, if you remember, sister of Joe Crowley, uh, he called her a racist, even though he won. And then he is called Robert Holden who everybody knows in Middle Village, in Glendale, in Maspeth, Queens. it's called him a racist. He does exactly. He's like the mini-me of Eric Adams. So we got to stop him with this pizza thing. But I warned you about Eric Adams. I told you what his roots were. I told you he looks at white people like they're crackers. And after I lost Eric Adams, what was the audio that came out? that he had said while he was campaigning for mayor... In Harlem?
4: Every day in the police department, I kicked those crackers' ass, man. I was unbelievable.
0: Can I hear that one more time, please, Lou?
4: Every day in the police department, I kicked those crackers' ass, man. I was unbelievable.
0: That's what he said. For 22 years when he was a house mouse in the police department, he viewed white cops as crackers, and he did everyone else. He hated white people. Come on. What do you think? He turned over a new leaf? Yeah, if you were a white person wanting to make a donation, he loved you. And then when he got back from Albany after his first trip, when it seemed the prospects were good because he knew everybody up in Albany, the governor who had replaced Cuomo, remember, uh, Kathy Kriam Holcomb, Carl Hasty, the crooked speaker from the Bronx, and uh, the state senate uh, leader cousin Stewart from Yonkers, Remember? He didn't get anything. He got Ugats, He got bumpkits, like a lot of other mayors who have first gone up to Albany. It's, a, it's always a battleground. And, yo, he took offense to white reporters. Oh, my God. I'm a black man. That's the mayor. But my
4: story has been interpreted by people that don't look like me. We got to be honest about that. How many blacks are in the editorial boards? How many blacks are determined how these stories are being written?
0: Let me tell you something, Eric Adams. The New York Post gave you their election endorsement in a primary. That means they didn't even give me a chance in the general election to compete with you. They signed sealed, and delivered an endorsement for you, The New York Post for a Democrat. So what are you talking about? That is nonsense, and then of late, he's gone back to his roots. He's figuring, hey, my, my poll numbers are plummeting with blacks. I used to be up there about 58% thought I was doing a good job. 19% said that I was doing a bad job. Now it's almost reversed. It's like 58% are saying I'm doing a bad job. 19% are saying I'm doing a good job because they're upset that these illegal aliens that I've welcomed in, that I'm the papachulo to who's your, who's your daddy. They say, why are they getting everything for free? Hey, what about the spoils of victory? And they're right. If you elect somebody and they become the mayor, look, it's natural. Rudy took care of white ethnics first, Bloomberg the rich, and Eric Eric Adams was thought would take care of blacks first and foremost. Look, that's why he got the majority of the black vote. And so the most disappointed voters in the world are African-Americans here in the city. And then he figured, I got to go on a tour of black churches. I got to solidify my support with blacks. Because if I don't get the black vote back, I could could lose in a Democratic primary, never mind in the general election. So he starts doing this God talk that sometimes you hear in holy roller churches that are white, that are black, that are Hispanic, that are Asian.
4: 30-something years ago, I woke up. In my sleep, out of my sleep in a cold sweat God spoke to my heart and said you are going to be the mayor January 1st, 2022 and the message was God stated you cannot be silent you must tell everyone you know because it's a judges 7 verse 2 through 7 moment because when you win the battle I don't want you to think that you won on your own, and I don't want people to think that you won because of you who you are.
0: Mm. And now we see Mayor Eric Adams continuing to unravel as he tries to stop the loss of Black support, Black votes. So he tried the holy roller routine. Then he decided, ah, let me pick on the predominantly white press corps again at Room 9 in City Hall. I can intimidate them. I can bully them. All I got to do is use my complexion as my protection. So he had a major press conference that was right after he was doing God talk. It came uh, came out that apparently he had had conversations with God on four separate occasions, the first being 30 years ago when God Woke him up in a cold sweat in 1992. This is Rudy running against Dinkins the second time. God, Rudy won and, and saved our city. And the God told him 30 years ago that he would become mayor on January 1st, 2022. Now, anyone else, you'd say he's crazy. He's out of his mind. He's schizophrenic, right? That's one of the levels of schizophrenia. But he figured he could do that amongst holy rollers because... Holy Rollers, like that kind of stuff. Now to the hardcore blacks, back to his roots of bugging out. To Black Lives Matter, right? Remember, he wore that shirt every day with Bill de Blasio. He was painting Black Lives Matter in the streets of New York City, where at night Black Lives Matter was looting and shooting and rioting, right? I know. I was out there at night. He was out there day during the day with de Blasio, painting Black Lives Matter on every conceivable street with the D.O.T., and then he dropped the Kunta Kinte line.
4: People can say what they want. There are those in society that still long to see me stop saying Kunta Kinte and they want me to say Toby. And it's uncomfortable for them. So you can whip me as much as you want. But when you take off my shirt, you'll see the scars are already dying. You know, I don't, I've gotten beaten enough that I can't be beaten again. I came into government saying Kunta Kinte. I'm leaving government saying Kunta Kinte. And if you don't know who he is, go see Roots.
0: And then as the self-proclaimed first hip-hop mayor of New York City, he dropped uh, the mic like MCs would in a rap battle. He never called himself Kunta Kinte. Never. Never, ever, ever. He's making this crap all up because now he's trying to... Get back to the Black Lives Matter roots, which, as you know, has become nothing more than bought large mansions or big large mansions. It's a real estate agency now, Fortune 500 real estate agency. You Want to show, oh, I'm going to take care of these white reporters. How dare you ask about my God talk? Well, you're acting crazy. You know, Bill de Blasio was lazy for eight years, and Eric Adams, approaching two years in office, is crazy. And then up in Washington Heights the other night, he stared out into an audience. An elderly white woman, 84 years, stood up and challenged him at a town hall meeting. He basically called her a plantation owner, a.k.a. slave owner.
4: Okay, first, if you're going to ask a question, don't point at me and don't do, be disrespectful to me. I'm the mayor of this city, and treat me with the respect I, would, I deserve to be treated. I'm speaking to you as an adult. Don't stand in front like you're treating someone that's on a plantation that you own. Give me the respect I deserve and engage in a conversation up here in Washington Heights. Treat me with the same level of respect I treat you. So don't be pointing at me. Don't be disrespectful to me. Speak with me as an adult because I'm a grown man. I walked into this room as a grown man, and I'm going to walk out of this room as a grown man. I answered your question.
0: Wow. Man, this guy hates white people. I told you. It turns out that this white person, Jeannie Dubnow, 84, happens to be Jewish as a young child, was whisked away by her family during the Holocaust so she wouldn't be put in an internment camp and possibly executed by the Nazis along with her family and, thank God, escaped and lives on the uh, lives on uh, the Upper West Side. And I said to Rabbi Joe Potashnik, who was here this morning, I said, Rabbi Joe, you were just uh, appointed to what you all call the big Jewish mockers. First have a Jewish advisory board for the mayor of the city of New York, first ever. And uh, I thought for sure, hmm, you would uh, approach the mayor, his advisors, and say, You got to apologize. You got to apologize to this woman. You, you can't let this go. Jeannie, don't now. It just looks wrong in so many ways. She's an elderly white woman. She's been active in the Upper West Side. She happens to be Jewish. Her family escaped the Holocaust. Mr. Mayor, you have to apologize. And I told Rabbi Joe Patashnik, if he doesn't apologize, then symbolically you should resign from his so-called first-ever Jewish advisory board put together by any mayor. We'll see what Rabbi Joe does. Please be listening at 7 o'clock to 8, uh, Sunday morning before John Katsimatidis interviews his newsbreakers. Please, I want to see if the uh, the Rev and the rabbi even uh, handle this. I doubt it. But then we heard from Jeannie Dubinow herself. In fact, 77 WABC's Helena Powell spoke to Jeannie Dubinow, the woman mayor Adams snapped at during that town hall meeting in Washington Heights Wednesday evening. And I'm just going to play a little snippet here of what she said at the end about Eric Adams.
3: We need a different mayor. We need to get rid of this
0: guy. We need a different mayor. We need to get rid of this guy. Well, she's a neighbor of mine. You think, uh, Lou, I should go over there, have a cup of coffee with her, me and uh, Nancy. That's just a little snippet. To hear the entire interview. We have the exclusive interview with the woman that Eric Adams accused of being a plantation owner, a slave owner. Jeannie up Upper West Side, 84, white and Jewish, Holocaust survivor. To hear the entire interview, go to wabcradio.com. Again, to hear the entire interview, go to wabcradio.com. It's the Riffin'
1: Read. Talking about Featuring Curtis Lewa. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Talking about This is The Riffin' Read, featuring Curtis Lewa. Now, to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC and Curtis Lewa.
0: night with sister who has been so generous in saying whether you're on the left or the right feel free to use this anthem for any of your rallies something synonymous with Donald Trump's rallies dating back to 2016 and when I was on with Sid in the morning uh, getting ready to tee off at Bedminster uh, Trump's uh, golf course there was our own Andrew Giuliani was biting at the uh, chomped here, ready to tee off. Uh, He had to wait for the cup of coffee to come in. So, uh, Andrew, are you still out on the links, or is it over?
2: It is over, and and, uh, you won't believe it, Curtis. The president actually made six birdies today on my life. It was pretty amazing to watch, and uh, we had a great day out there, and I'm really looking forward to interviewing the president here in almost 48 hours on Sunday at 2 p.m. You can catch it right here on WABC. And, uh, you know, it's going to be absolutely fascinating. It's, uh, It's kind of humbling thinking about interviewing a president of the United States. I know my father has interviewed President Trump. My mother actually had the opportunity interviewed Jimmy Carter some 40-plus years ago when he was the sitting president. So it's pretty exciting leading up to this.
0: Now, hold on a second. Uh, you're not getting off the hook on this. How many mulligans did you take, and how many mulligans did the president, uh, former president Donald Trump, take?
2: No mulligans. We play it down. Hey, look, I heard you were just a couple of days ago at a Trump ferry point in the Bronx over there, and you didn't find any Trump or Giuliani balls because our balls only go in the cup there.
0: Ah, now, so okay, so this Sunday— You have the one-on-one interview with the former president, Donald Trump. That's two to three. Then I understand we have Roger Stone from three to four. He knows where all the political bones are buried and who buried him. And then is this correct? Following that is Oliver Stone to give us the yin and the yang. Uh, Oh, no, I'm sorry. It's it's another hour of Roger Stone. Right. So two hours of Roger Stone. No Oliver Stone. He's in a drug-induced cocaine psychosis somewhere. But, um, you know, yes, go ahead. You know,
2: Curtis, ever, ever since we've taken your hours here on Sunday, it just seems like the programming on WABC has gotten even better, if that's possible. I mean, it seems like we're always broadcasting, Curtis, but it's nice to squeeze in President Trump every once in a while. No,
0: that'll, that'll be great. I'll be listening. But also, <laughs> uh, it's because I was at the Trump course in Throgs Neck. I must say, beautiful course. I got to see in the distance Vicky Palladino's fireworks display from Fort Totten, which made it the better. And it was election night. It was Tuesday night. And I was there with the uh, team, George Havernack, waiting for the election results. uh, Across uh, Throg's neck was Chrissy Mamorato's team. That's Mike Rendino, the county chairman's sister, who was running. They were waiting for the results. And actually, Sid's candidate uh, was Samantha Zerka. Uh, they were waiting for their results. Now, I've reached out to your father. You need to know this because he was neutral in this. He was neutral. Yeah. Frank Morano was neutral. And as you know, we're going to a second round with uh, Chrissy and George Havernick. It's neck and neck and rank choice. But there were 200 absentee ballots. Yeah. Now, reached out to your father because he knows all the rules, as does Frank Morano. And the rules are that a member of each team can be there to watch the envelopes opened, Mm -hmm. and that should be the case. And I'm hoping you will join me in solidarity along with Sid and say, hey, let's hope that those envelopes are opened in front of a representative of each team.
2: Curtis, I couldn't agree with you anymore. Whichever candidate wins, you want to make sure that all New Yorkers – can trust the process. There should be full transparency in that. I want to make sure that every single legal vote is counted and that, frankly, each member, each lawyer from each candidate has the opportunity to see that. We well, should have full transparency, 100%. Well, thank
0: you. Uh, first of all, I don't believe you because I got to believe you or the president took a mulligan today, but... Catch (laughs) Andrew Giuliani Sunday, one-on-one with the former president, Donald Trump, exclusively here at WABC.